This is Dream Chasers with Adam Coswell. Dream Chasers, what's going on? Welcome to episode 299 of the podcast. We are one away from 300 and I couldn't help but select a better episode from another show to feature for 299 than this one. Uh, this episode is reshared from the Cashflow Connections Real Estate Podcast hosted by Hunter Thompson. If you don't know Hunter, just go to raisingcapital.com. You'll figure out who he is pretty quickly. He's been a you know, massive influence in my life. Uh, I went from once upon a time student mentee to now business partner. And I'd say still in many ways, a student when uh, working alongside Hunter. But anyways, he shared something on his show recently, which I would say is a very bold move. It's a reminder to all of us out there who are freedom-focused, freedom-driven, anarchists, you know, voluntarists, libertarians. There's a bunch of different labels you can slap on it. For me, I kind of like to have no labels whatsoever. But the way Hunter outlined it here is, is anarchy, anarchism, and his show... I just really, really like this episode for multiple reasons. One, it resonated with me. It reminded me of, you know, the, the reason I, the way I found Hunter in the first place was literally on an anarchist podcast. So it's good to see he's staying true to his roots, his worldview. And I just like that the core essence of, of anarchy, anarchism, however you want to word it, is not throwing bricks through windows and smashing buildings. It's actually very morally aligned with the principles of peace, right? Ethics. And I think it's not a surprise that you know, government, which when you break down the word government, its Latin roots literally mean mind control. I don't know how many times people need reminding that that's the case. Like government literally means mind control and government is evil and government is an organized mafia. And, you know, recently on the show, I've been kind of throwing rocks at the traditional or whatever you want to call it, government education system, which is, you know, government indoctrination camps, child prisons, whatever you want to call them. <laughs> Hunter does a, he just does a really good job in this episode building the brick. Cause I can be a bit aggressive at times. And it's like, if you don't, if you're not on board with me, then it's kind of like, all right, I don't want to talk to you. I try not to be like that, but I know I can be that way. Sometimes he does a really good job in this episode, breaking down the fundamentals of, of anarchy and anarchism for someone who maybe has never been exposed to the idea in the first place. And he does it in a way that just kind of walks you through his own personal life story and journey and how he's been burned by politicians as we all have. And I don't know how long it's going to take until we all realize that Kings, queens, politicians, whatever, they're never going to come save you. You have to take responsibility in life into your own hands. And it, it is possible to live in a world with less evil and peace. And a lot of that begins with the removal of uh, government altogether. So taxation is theft as well. I know all these things are, you know, people say, what? <laughs> How could you? But when you, when you break it, when you just listen, right? Listen up to this episode and then feel free to, uh, you know, reach out. Let us know your thoughts because. This is the way of the future. All right, play the clip. How's it going, investors? Hope you're doing well. Welcome back to another Freedom Friday episode. Today, I wanted to talk to you about my kind of journey of politics, philosophy, and economics in a very concise episode about my journey towards anarchism. And that's right, I do consider myself an anarchist and no, not the kind that throws bricks through Starbucks windows, uh, something slightly different. But this episode may startle some of you, may turn some of you off. Some people are going to be like, heck yeah, dude, duh, me too. And some people are going to be like, I've never heard of that before. It sounds terrible, but it's all good. I just think it's a, a cool kind of interesting thing and some people relate to it. And so I want to share it with you. So my background kind of 
coming up in middle school and high school is when I really started to develop an interest in what was referred to back then, of course, as political science, but philosophy, economics, and politics. And so I was from kind of a typical left-leaning family back then, 2001, post 9-11, you know, the most important issue that was being talked about, especially in kind of the left-leaning world was war. And I was especially, you know, anti-war and particularly against the war in Iraq. And so that was like my main number one focus. And it basically is still to this day, by the way, but that was the first thing that kind of brought me into the world of politics. And so in 2007 and eight, as Obama started his campaign, there was a very heavy underlying anti-war message. And going back as early as 2002, by the way, when it wasn't popular to be anti-war, you know, Obama made claims like I would have voted against the invasion of Iraq and things like that. And so I really resonated with that, was an incredible supporter of Obama in the lead up to 2008 and voted for him in 2008. And when he came into office, I remember seeing the inauguration being so excited. We're going to end these wars. We're going to get out all this craziness. And as you probably know, the way the story goes, you know, not only did that not happen, I think there was wars in seven countries. There were, you know, the initiation of the drone strike program. There was the initiation of the the real silencing of whistleblowers inside the the military branches of the government. And it was a real moment of my understanding of the way politics works. And that was powerful. That was powerful. Like I started to realize the way that messaging works and what a campaign really is and what all of this stuff kind of means, a much more deeper understanding. But the real part that got me was the silence of the anti-war movement. That was the part that made me realize uh, what politics is really all about. And it just can't be denied. There hasn't been an anti-war movement in the left since 2008. And I don't know that there will be again, just based on the main players in that space. So in 2008, I was super into Obama. I was also introduced to this person named Ron Paul, but I didn't really care about his candidacy because it was a you know, popular vote and that type of stuff. But after 2008, I started to realize the message of the Ron Paul anti-war movement didn't seem to care about political leanings in the sense that he knew he wasn't going to win any elections and so was able to make a case that was far more holistic and also seemed to cut a lot deeper than people who are anti-war, let's say, for the benefit of you know winning an election. There's a big difference. And so in 2012, Ron Paul ran again. And that time I like really understood the message. I really had a much higher buy-in in particular because of one question that he would ask. And it was the first time I'd ever heard anyone ask this question, which is how is war funded? How is it the case that this thing that everyone doesn't like and outside of politicians, war is extremely unpopular, right? How is it the case that all the things we grew up in school learning about and why can't war ever stop and why is this always happening? How is it the case that there's an infinite amount of resources, you know, a trillion dollars a year or whatever dedicated towards this thing? And it was an eye-opening moment because I didn't really have an answer for it, despite being a person that considered myself really an anti-war advocate. Now, of course, the answers are basically a combination of central banks and taxes. And so it's interesting, 
or at least I found it interesting at the time, that a lot of the previous anti-war protesters that were arm in arm with me, not physically because I wasn't done it. It's never been my thing to go out in the streets and do that stuff, but tend to lean on the side of, you know, monetary policy, printing of money and raising taxes. So that was an important moment. That Ron Paul rabbit hole led me to someone that is named Stefan Molyneux, who later went down a path that I definitely don't agree with, but I got to give a shout out to him because he laid the foundation on which a lot of my holistic views of, especially things when it comes to philosophy, was kind of founded. He really introduced me to this concept that philosophy is underlying all of this. Philosophy is kind of the algorithm on which all of these principles are built, mostly through his book, Universally Preferable Behavior, which kind of makes the argument that principles exist and that principles apply holistically and universally. And in particular, principles apply to people regardless of what their job is. And that, my friend, is, is why I'm an anarchist, to be honest. That's the simplest way to say it. If principles apply to all people regardless of who they work for, there's some really awkward and uncomfortable situations about, let's say, things like the IRS, right? The government basically relies on the initiation of the use of force which as a principle is always wrong. Not force being used in a defensive manner, but the initiation of the use of force or threats that the use of force is going to happen. As an example, hey, you made this money and now we're going to send you a bill without your kind of opting in. We're going to send you a bill for a percentage of that. And if you don't pay it, you know where you're going to go. And by the way, if you try to fight us, you know where you're going to end up, right? So. I kind of uncovered this along the way. And by the way, this is something that took me years. And if you're not already like super on this page, that's going to be like the cringiest thing you could ever hear. And you're going to be thinking, how can we create roads and how can we create a legal system and, and all those things? And those are all good questions. But I think the thing that struck me about this, I mean, that's exactly what I asked when I started to uncover this stuff. But it's like, at least if you agree with that, you have to realize that government is a necessary evil, if not totally an evil that should try to be dispelled, right? So now you can make the case that sure, government is a necessary evil. I get it, but at least we can recognize it is an evil. And then later we can talk about how necessary it actually is. So that's basically what I believe. I believe that government is authorized and has the perception of authority, but is basically relying on the initiation of the use of force and that it relies on basically the mafia model. Government is the mafia, but it just happens to have the school system and the legal system. And so the threats of violence can be veiled because the perception of legitimacy is so high that they can be one or two steps removed from actually being in your face. And so, like I said, I don't really follow Stefan Molyneux anymore, but the people that he introduced me to were guys like Tom Woods, Dave Smith. By the way, both of those gentlemen have excellent podcasts. Dave Smith is called Part of the Problem. The other one's called The Tom Woods Show. I've been a guest on The Tom Woods Show, by the way. And some of my best investors are from that podcast interview. But generally speaking, the message is simple. And there's actually an extra one added here, but anti-war, anti-Fed, anti-government, anti-state. Now, the recent one, of course, is the anti-COVID lockdown stuff, because that became one of, if not the most important 
things and measures in the world. It could be one of the most important measures in all of human history. The implications, the scale, the size, the that was a really scary time. I'm pretty proud of the content we put out on this topic, but obviously you can go back and listen to it. I was against that stuff from day one. And part of that is because I think the government is the mafia. And so I don't think that they're like, they have our best interest at heart. I don't believe any of that stuff. And the more that you believe that politicians are kind of uh, crazy pants, then usually the more accurate you're going to be on the COVID stuff <laughs> in this case. And, and generally that's the case. So that's kind of where I am. And, you know, I'm open-minded person. That's by the way, anybody, usually anybody that has really radically unpopular ideas is generally speaking a pretty open-minded person, but it's very difficult for me to imagine a situation in which government isn't perceived as a necessary evil, right? But the pieces that I uncovered that pushed me towards being an anarchist are two pieces of that sentence, which is number one, and first and foremost, how evil. I think when you look back at history with that lens and that question, man, pretty evil. And then the question, and once you have that, once you understand that, once you can grasp, let's say that half a, half a million, no, 500 million people were killed by their own governments in the 20th century. Hawaii University did a study about this. I think it's half a million, 300 million people in the 20th century of their own governments, democide, not including wars, own governments, right? When I think about the history of the world through that lens of how evil then the question becomes how necessary. And, you know, as you probably assume, I put a lot of thought through things like this. I'm not saying that I have all the answers, but when I think about the fact that it is pretty much undisputed that the most beautiful, efficient, incredible advances in society that we've had have been from people voluntarily interacting with themselves, you can accomplish some pretty incredible things. And if it's necessary because people shouldn't be trusted, certainly giving a very small group of people the monopoly of violence, the perception of legitimacy, the allowance to go initiate the use of force, I don't think that's going to solve the problem that people shouldn't be trusted. So that's kind of my view. And that is kind of an undertone of some of the, the content we put out, but I want to do this every now and then to make sure everybody knows where I stand. and. Hopefully the right people will be interested. Some of the wrong people will be like, bye-bye. And that's all good. You guys are awesome. Talk to you soon. Dream Chasers, thank you. Thank you, thank you for investing your most valuable resource with us here today, your time. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to share this bad boy on social media. Drop a five-star review. Hit that subscribe button wherever you get your podcasts. And hey, we really appreciate it. It brings better visibility better SEO to the show. So just can't thank you enough for that. And also, as you notice, we don't have any ads here on Dream Chasers. So just want to remind you to head over to carswell.io to get all updates, especially because I am currently writing a book. The book is on the topic of, insert suspenseful topic here, multiplication. Yes, I'm writing a book on multiplication. I know that may sound silly, but that's what it is. So I'm really excited about this. I have also learned it takes a lot more time to write a book than I originally expected. So it's coming soon. 
And just want to remind you, if you want to get updates on my first ever book, you can go to carswell.io, drop your email address there, and you'll get all the updates you could possibly need or imagine on the release. So thank you again for your listenership. And remember, in all you think, say, and do, take it to the next level.